Welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today you'll hear from Maria. Maria has a beautiful story about how her mom chose to go on hospice with strength and courage. She has also continued to show Maria that she is with her in times of doubt and uncertainty. Maria shares great tips on how to align your overall wellness, mind, body, and soul. You can find all of Maria's info in the show notes. And now, Maria's story. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. I'm glad that you're here. Today, I have with me Maria. Um, Maria is a friend that I met. We, we actually have just interacted for the first time um, on this Zoom call, but I feel like I know her because we were both mm-hmm. part of a um, coaching program that we did in the fall that ended in December. And so we're still both part of that Facebook group. And I see the beautiful things that she's doing and she sees the things that I'm doing and um, have just been really grateful for this online community that I inherited through the program that we did. Um, And a week or so ago, I put out a call for people who'd be willing to share their stories of being a daughter without a mom. And Maria replied and has willingly and graciously agreed to share her story with us. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to turn the mic over to Maria and let her Tell us a little bit about herself and then the story of um, her journey with her mom. And then we will wrap up with some questions and final thoughts. So thanks for being here, Maria. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Mm -hmm. Beth. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I always say that everybody's got a soul story and a heart story and you never know what's behind the curtain and um, what makes up a person's life. And um, certainly grief and trauma and everything like that is something that you, I guess you take a different perspective um, as we get older, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm really, um, you know, like there's like I was saying before, pearls of wisdom and understanding. And um, when I saw your post on made to do this, uh, you know, I really wanted to reach out and I've kind of reached out to many people because I think that um, the story that gets held inside you can help another person and it's just relieving Um, and grief um, for me that when you're talking about a mom um, I lost my mom in 2013 and um, she was an amazing um, strong woman her name is Rita and um, uh, she's been kind of blessing me around um, in so many ways. I'm one of five and um, I was the second oldest. And I think that I was that daughter that was um, stubborn, uh, rambunctious, like, you know, my mom, when I got married, um, she said the song was from Sound of Music, How to Solve a Problem Like Maria. And I was named after that song and also um, West Side Story. And, you know, you wonder how much did that play into um, my life and as a being, you know, and even to a story of my mom said before I was born, she was standing at the kitchen sink and my dad was um, in, went, gone back to college. He was in the Navy. when they met, um, you know, they met uh, when she was a receptionist at an RCA. He had just um, been um, out of the Navy and he was working as a sales rep. He was on the GI Bill to get his degree in marketing. So he was in school. And so my mom said the sink, sink and she said she was 
you know, kind of complaining because she's, you know, going to have, get, give birth. And my dad was not helping. And she asked him to go take care of my older sister and he was complaining. So, um, she's like, well, I'll just do it, you know? And she said she huffed off and was, and I can see that as her personality. She was like, like, yeah, I'll just do it myself kind of thing, that person. And, um, and I came, you know, she said, I went to the doctor and he said, I'm not ready yet. Typical. I'm, I'm not ready, but sure enough, I wound up coming, you know, she knew. So I always think about how intuitive she really was. And she, um, growing up, we, um, she, she was, we would look to her as, you know, the person to, to answer all the questions we used to tease her and call the doctor because she knew best, you know, and, uh, and she's hilarious. So my mom, um, but my mom and I, I guess, like fought like any other, any other relationships. And, um, and one of the things that she was, I didn't realize how, what a great cheerleader she was for me and how much supportive she was. I, um, you know, had an eating disorder when I was, um, early in my, um, actually beginning of college, but it started much earlier than that. And, um, you know, my mom was there to help me in so many ways, bring me to the therapist, figure out what's wrong, like any good mother could do. But the one thing that, um, as you, as a mother now for myself, watching your child, I am, uh, I'm impressed with how much, um, work it takes to help and be supportive and wait for that child to, to get it and get a flat, you know, a light on to know and to see you know in eating disorders it's a slow suicide you're you know basically you know starving yourself and i can't imagine having to see that if it was my one of my children and but knowing that um you know you have to hit your bottom and that you have to trust and have faith and i grew up catholic my mom and my parents were both catholic we went to catholic school um in high school so that was a big part of my upbringing and i never forget my mom saying to me after being in therapy going to support groups doing whatever i could she said you know maria if you fall down and you can't get up because of this i'll have to be the one to take you to the hospital and and but you have to do it so that was a light bulb to recognize that you have to take care of yourself and how can you do that? And I saw that in my, my mom. My mom did that as a mom. You know, um, she had so many different jobs. She wore different hats, like we talked about it, made to do this. She's she pivoted so many times and even, you know, wasn't afraid of change. She changed her hair color, she changed the house. So um she was a real estate agent. She waitressed, you know, um, did so many things. She went to flower school and decided she wanted to be a flower. So looking back, she was someone to be, um, to admire and also to, but had high standards and, um, and she wanted the best for her family. And she did that to the best of her ability and, you know, a brave, courageous, um, she was the youngest of four. She was the only one, um, that, um, drove in her family. Her si siblings um, were, um, you know, she was a product of the depression and, um, and she, you know, had, I think that go get them attitude. And, um, but unfortunately she took on smoking because, you know, it was enhanced then and they're recommended and you're cooler if you do it and there's not going to be any problems. You got it. Well, um, lo and behold, you know, she smoked throughout pregnancies, <laughs> all of us, five kids smoked probably, and 
drink, you know, didn't drink coffee, you know, so didn't really exercise like we do and, and take care of her health. Um, and so, you know, you're flashing forward in life. Um, I knew, you know, after being in health coaching and, um, that, you know, what you do, it's, it's a cumulative effect in your life. And unfortunately, um, you could then see her progressing in terms of physically and breathing and knowing that um, this is, uh, this is not good. And, um, but, you know, again, denial is can, you don't want to, you don't want to face it. And it was interesting, because she did go to the doctors, and they said, you know, hey, there's nothing wrong with you. Your lungs are clear. And she would say thumbs up. She would do everything. They're like, oh, but I would recommend you stop it, you know, from dentist to everything. But she just, you know, the stubbornness. And my dad would always say, well, she can't because he's so it's, it's ingrained. I said, well, dad, there's options, you know, we do this. But unfortunately, um, I would say to my sisters, um, as we started to see in my brothers that she gets, you know, slower, couldn't, couldn't walk as fast, couldn't drive, you know, drove, had to drive around the, a corner, you know, to, to get places. You knew that it wasn't good. And her skin and, and her um, breathing and had gotten heavier, but still, you know, she was going to work. She was doing her thing. Um, it was amazing. And um, to see and to realize just how sick she was, but uh, she did enter the hospital and um, because she had a stomach issue she thought uh, she had a blockage or something and um, she really didn't um, she just um, she could have been just constipated but because she couldn't breathe to allow the body to move it through um, she was afraid so um, she entered the hospital in emergency and um, they uh, said oh we'll keep you overnight to help you she then noticed that she had um, emphysema she also had copd so her breathing and then um and she would always get bronchitis and colds and things like that so that was taped that was probably one of the issues as well so she overnighted and um as i said i thought if she goes in the hospital she's not getting out i had that gut instinct and i can remember actually to this day seeing my brother we were coming down on the elevator she had just um been admitted to a room and I remember looking at him going Ernie this is not good I don't think she's getting out of here and he's like oh Maria we'll see we'll see I'm like I got a bad feeling and um and you know unfortunately I was right um my dad and all of us rallied for her um it took six weeks she was there in ICU um she was um at some point intubated because she couldn't breathe and she stayed intubated for um I think on and off twice and um, was able to get off of intubation, um, which was tremendous and then be able to talk a bit. And, um, but ultimately the doctor said that her lungs and the COPD and the emphysema was so severe that um, they only offered her living with oxygen um, throughout her life. And they said that it would be best of best interest for her to go to a facility and, um, and go do that. And, um, you know, once we heard that and I thought, oh my gosh, I can't imagine my mom in my visual, 
as a visual learner, I was like just picturing her walking around her home with oxygen or not there, but someplace else. And I thought, this is not going to be cool. She's not going to be up for this. My mom's independent, you know, willful, strong, like no one's telling her what to do. I thought, how's this going to play out? And, um, and all along, you know, we were praying for her as well. And, um, and she wound up um, deciding, they had said, the doctors had said to her, you know, Rita, you um, have to decide, you can't stay here this whole time, so what are you going to do? And um, uh, she turned to my, my sister and I and said, um, the doctors only offered me hospice or to go home in this capacity. And she said, um, I'm going to choose hospice. And um, I remember hearing those words. And I remember thinking to my sister, the strength and courage of someone to choose their path and to choose to be in a different realm and to pass away from all those she loved, which you knew she loved you so much, and to lead knowing. Um, but I kept thinking that's huge faith. And I have no right to choose for someone. And then I was proud of her that she could choose um, what she wanted to do and had the, the faculties, thank God. And, um, and just the courage. Um, and she had being in there, she was gifted, um, you know, uh, you know, communion, the priest would stop by occasionally. And, um, um, often probably every every day if he was there and um, she embraced him he was a, a total new priest he was just there at the hospital and um, I'll never forget when we were she had decided this they said well take a few moments um, to get her bed and bring her into the other wing of the hospice wing and and, um, and we had told that the um, we called down to the priest and said, she's going to be there if you don't see her and wound up. Uh, he was greeting us as we're walking through the hallway and her facial expression was as if, like I said, like if she, she was going to heaven and he was there with the gates and saying, it's going to be okay. And gave her a kiss. It was just like her friend, you know, kissing her and saying, yeah. And I remember thinking, you know, you're, you're taught so long in Catholic school that you know, heaven is, is so beautiful. And, and, and it's, you know, something you're, you're striving to go to and be this good person. And, and God has promised this for all of us. And um, so I thought, well, why wouldn't you want to go there, dad? It's supposed to be gorgeous, you know, if you truly believe. And, um, and I, um, so within, um, she, she goes into hospice in the afternoon and uh, we're all there. And then within um, not even really 48 hours, um, she passes away. We, I got the chance um, to hold her and hug her and massage her back and, um, and to, you know, tell her you loved her and to know she did the best job and that I hope I can do as good with my four kids and to just thank her for being there for me for all my years, you know? And, um, so she passes away. And, um, at the time 
I'm uh, had been working uh, at a nonprofit that I started, and it's uh, for women that have cancer, and it's called Mary's Place by the Sea, and it's a beautiful respite. And um, and I remember uh, my mom um, was just proud of me for starting this to rally to take care of other women that were um, in a situation that was challenging, but that they can get through. And um, at that point, um, I was just in the embarking on this. It was a couple of years in and um, there um, I was just, you know, kind of blown away. But the point being that, you know, disease and cancer and anything that you have, you can, it can, um, you're, you're inundated with almost grief too, because some of those guests that were at this house, it was a free respite for people from all over the country to come and, um, and provided alternative services for them. And then for them to either leave, um, it was a retreat for a two day retreat it would be a day stay it was completely free. Um, yeah. And, and, but it was, I didn't realize the grief that was there because some of those people that were became your friends had passed. And, um, so my mom does pass away and, um, she, uh, you know, you'd look for signs for her. And I remember just when a person would come in with uh, lung cancer, I remember thinking that's all grief and that's all different things. Cause I started to look at the body as disease and how does it manifest? And um, so flash forward, I'm 10 years in this uh, nonprofit and um, we celebrate 10 years. And all of a sudden I started to see some shifts and changes with my partner because um, as a co-founder, I have a partner and we're in this marriage and I figured, oh my goodness, there are things that just were going on that um, weren't, um, wasn't feeling kosher, wasn't feeling right. And I was again denying it and I could hear my mom because I would, I remember praying and crying and saying, I really could use your great judge of character, your strength. What are you going to tell me? So um, what should I do? And I was wrestling with um, just uncertainty, angst. Um, and as I had mentioned before about my eating disorder, that was my indication of my gut instinct, my stomach. It was bothering me tremendously. I said, what is going on? What is going on? He healed that Maria, but what's up again? And it was getting woken up. I couldn't sleep so well. And then uh, at four o'clock in the morning, um, my husband and I both get woken up and he's like, Maria, you need to write a letter. And um, I'm like, okay. So we both get up and write this letter. And this letter was, um, to my partner and to my board of directors and really sharing my heart, sharing my intention, sharing my, um, uh, what I often say was I was having a breakdown to a breakthrough and that, um, uh, there were things that were going on that I couldn't overlook any longer. And I had to show that soul story and put it out all on the table and, hope for the best and realizing that you can't push things under the carpet so long because that's what happens with people. They get sick and, and a cancer is occurring in this cancer organization. And I needed to step up, 
lift up, put on my big girl panties and, and, and speak it into life and say, no, we can't do it this way. There's other ways, even though some people may think it's a different way. Well, um, so that letter is written, um, redone and written again. Um, and I decide on a Sunday that I'm going to um, send it. And I'm afraid, I'm saying prayers. I'm like, what am I gonna do? And um, my mom's energy was so around me, like as if she was pushing me and I could feel her saying, just keep going, you can do this. You know, like, just do it. And um, so in my letters complete, my husband says, Maria, you can do this. And so I said, okay, I need some signs. I said, I, I need, let's go for a walk. So we went for a walk and uh, all along the beach and Mary um, has been, Blessed Mother's always been my go-to person to pray to and had been there for novenas for me when I was going through my eating disorder and so many things that were through my life. I would go and sit at her feet, you know, at church because that's what I did. And um, I saw the rose on the beach in February and I said, this is crazy. I said, okay, thank you. This is a sign. And um, we had to go to my office and the office was at this beautiful facility. And I walk in because we had guests there and I had uh, volunteers that were cleaning up after all the guests. And I came in and welcomed and said, hi. And then I looked right at the kitchen table and she says, there's a rose in a, um, in a little vase. And she goes, oh, that's for Susan. That's for our, um, I go, well, what's the sign? I go, there's a sign. And she goes, oh yeah, that's St. Rita. They were just talking about St. Rita. And, she, and I just, my knees kind of buckled. And I thought, oh my goodness, St. Rita. That's my mom's name. I go, there you go, mom. You gave me another sign. So scared to death, honestly, um, to say, I can't do this. And then you're like, no, I have to do this. I have to stand up for myself my integrity, my respect for myself. And this is just going down the wrong path for me. I can be changed, but we need to communicate. And um, so I go down and I send it. And I said to my husband, um, I need to get out of this town because this is, and I need to get out in nature. And it's, you know, mind you, it's February. And he's, I go, he goes, where do you want to go? I go, I want to go to this park where we can hike and it overlooks New York city. It's beautiful. He goes, okay, that's great. And we're walking along the path. And he says to me, um, and mind you, my husband did not grow up Catholic. I did at all. <laughs> I mean, faith a little, but I was like, and he's the one that goes to me, do you smell that? There's roses. I go, what? And I said, and then to the corner of my eye, if I would have, I could just see the visual of Mary and smelled the roses. And I started to cry and I said, okay. I'm on the right path. I am afraid, um, but I know that I'm guided. And um, to say that it was easy and has been easy, it has not um, because, and talking about grief, I spent 10 years in a, in a, and the bottom line is I got terminated from my position as a co-founder of this organization for, um, uh, standing up for myself for things that um, I'm not quite sure of and I'm still working on because it was um, I was terminated uh, you know unlawfully and um, 
So that is still to be determined, except that Maria stood up for herself and my intention was to be seen and heard and valued and to grow and to be what Kathy, Kathy Heller has taught us that come with me. And I truly believe that um, when a person reveals to you who they are, and I believe my partner didn't want my light as shining as bright. And I believe that, you know, you're in an industry that isn't encouraging, empowering yourself, being healthy and, and taking responsibility for your health. And, um, and now you can see in this experience of pandemic, if you're taking care of your immune system and saying no to certain things. And I really felt like I was that beacon of hope for women to say, just because they say that, why do you have to agree with that? And I think not only was I doing it for my guests, I know I was doing it for my team. I was being the Kathy Heller. I was being the open your heart look at your stuff podcast, being that promoter supporter, because I didn't, I don't want places like this. I think we, we need, and there's, we need to um, say no to that. And we, that's a choice. And I, I firmly believe it for myself. And I felt like I was living that life for many years because I was gifted the next, the second chance of life through that eating disorder. I could have been gone. I could have never had four kids, home birthed them, taken care of myself, run marathons. So I knew I was strong. And I thought, God gives me, you know, he's given me some love taps, like Shaman's Blows experiences to like say, take it on, Maria. It's, it's an inside job. And I've been doing the inside job. Grieving your mom and then grieving this experience has been tremendous. And I think that so many of us are grieving the life that you had. The light, we're, it's a collective grief. And thank God for podcasts like yourself, yours, because Beth, people, you, we need another tools. Like often I say in my, um, I say it's a wellness toolbox. I'm adding a wellness toolbox to my life and to yours. And we need to take things in, take things out. And grief is one of those things. We need tools, how to learn, how, like your experience of when you were so young, you had no tools and the people around you didn't. And then, you know, years later, you said, it took you 20 years to realize how angry you were and you didn't want to live that way. So then you had to learn new tools. My hope is that I just gain more pearls to then pass along and share with people. Um, the beauty I feel for myself in that, you know, the experience of Mary's was closed a door. The beautiful thing is that I always had a door of my wellness and health. And I kept that because those 10 years recognizing that, um, A, I, I knew I needed it because that was like um, uh, the piece of me that I knew was going to continue to be healthy and that I wanted to be that role model for those people and myself and my children. Um, and that um, uh, it's just so important to learn to knowing you have to fill your own cup 
in order to give more and serve more. Well, I appreciate everything you're saying about the healing and the wholeness and the, the health. Mm-hmm. Um, because somebody just commented on a, a post I did yesterday that said, uh, you have to feel it to heal it. Absolutely. Un- unfortunately, I think in our culture, we've, you know, stuff everything down and don't deal with mm-hmm. things and try to put on a happy face, you know, the toxic positivity and yes, well, everything will be okay. And yes. Um, so I yes. think, you know, one of my other things that I read um, that I've learned that I believe is that when you don't allow yourself to feel the depth of your grief, like you're talking about that pendulum, like I'm thinking yes. about like this, mm-hmm. when you don't yes. allow to, yourself to feel that depth, you also affect the height of your joy when that comes too. And mm-hmm. I think we think as humans, like we can only feel either one or the other. Well, that's not true. You can have grief and joy all in the same moment. You know, it's like a hundred percent. When you smell roses now, you probably have grief and joy all in the same moment. Yes. Hi, mom. Yes. And I miss you. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. there's this. We mm-hmm. we haven't done a real great job of. Um, teaching people how to take care of themselves, which we talked about the whole mindset connection, yes. um, uh, how that affects your health, the stress and all that exactly. kind of stuff. So yeah. grief is mm-hmm. a big part of that too. Absolutely. And mental yeah. health, I often are one of our tags, my tags is, you know, healing the mind, body and soul, mm-hmm. you know, taking care of your mind, body. And so how are you doing it? Cause we're all interconnected, you know, for a number of years, I was, um, and now it's become so mainstream brain health. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been saying we need to feed the brain. It's you need to feed what you're listening to, what you're watching, what you're reading, you know, um, yeah. personal and and now it's like, okay, now it's the world's catching up, you know. Yeah, yeah. And your diet's not just what you put in your mouth. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It's what you exactly. put in your head and head, your, absolutely. Your ears, your eyes. Yep. And what you say to yourself and that and where energy, so your energy's held where you keep it. Well, just one of the things that I really appreciate about your story is how you, you know, recognize that your mom chose her path, um, mm-hmm. that she was, you know, proud of, of, or that she, you know, seemed like she was expressing joy at the thought of going to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's one thing, another one of the girls that I interviewed, she said, you know, besides taxes, death is the only other thing that we are all going to experience. But the fact that you're, you know, able to say that your mom made a choice, she embraced Mm -hmm. it. And then the fact that within 48 hours of her deciding to go to hospice, she had decided she was ready. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty quick transition to go from being hospitalized to the hospice wing. Um, Oh, it was, it was, she had decided yeah. Yeah. And and I think also you recognize that your vehicle that you're living in was damaged enough that it was going. Yeah. Yeah. That her spirit needed to fly really empowering and often going. My dad is, um, you know, we'll often go to her grave and he'll speak with her. I get dad, she's always here. You know, yeah. she's not there, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and it's just a different, he yeah. just needs to. Yeah. And yeah but mm-hmm. it's really adorable. A great, um, you know, story for people to be able to hear about someone who was, you know, ready and willing and actually, you know, seemed mm-hmm. to be excited about making the decision to journey into that next stage of life. So right, I've, right. yeah, I really, I, really appreciate you sharing that. 
at least like my mom made the decision, draw the line in the sand and get your, your, your stuff on the table and yeah. deal with it. So, yeah. Yeah. um, I'm, I'm happy that it went that way. So, so tell people what you are doing now. Well, I have always been a health coach and mm -hmm. a personal trainer and teaching yoga employees. So I have my own um, website called mariamckeon.com. I teach virtual yoga classes, Pilates classes. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching for health coaching and, um, and I'll be doing, I've done some virtual retreats. I'm going to be doing um, some retreats in this area um, the end of June, um, mm -hmm. women's wellness summits, um, things in, you know, I, I really feel like that's uh, needed in this arena. And mm -hmm. so I'm on Facebook. I am at it's Maria Mc, underscore Maria McKeon on Instagram and um reach out to me and I often do talks at universities on, um, you know, gaining your inner perspective. So then you can heal and grow and understand that it's, you know, the eating disorder isn't eating you mm. and you, mm -hmm. and that you can um, heal. And there are different pearls from that to enhance your life. And I often will use the wellness toolbox as mine. So enhance your wellness toolbox and cultivate and create it. And it's a lifestyle versus um, I'm not a person that really talks about diets. I'm mm -hmm. talking lifestyle. Also, I love collaborating and sharing things that worked for me. Then you can share what worked for you. Cause I think it's, you know, there's no, um, there's no right way. And there's a balance and the balance you have to determine for yourself. What's the balance for right. you? That's one of the things I, um, I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about that people were talking about going back to normal. Well, there were some things in the old normal that were not working. You know, we were oh, just overscheduled and a running lot. on empty. And so, you know, um, mm -hmm. I, I'm not, I'm not grateful for the pandemic, but I am grateful for the time to be able to observe and see mm -hmm. and um, to have the flexibility to be able to um, implement some of those changes to be mm -hmm. a little bit more mm -hmm. recognizable of the time that we need to spend on ourselves so that yes. we can be the best for ourselves and for everybody else. Right. The best yeah. version. Yeah. 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 I agree. So I usually try to finish up with something that, you know, a piece of advice or a tidbit you'd like to share with the people who are listening. Do you have anything you'd like to share with us today? That you're enough. Find a mantra, something that works for you. Repeat it. Um, one of the things I incorporated into my daily life for the last, you know, um, number of years, I don't get out of bed without thanking God that I'm here mm. and doing three things. Um, three prouds of myself, three gratitudes, and then three things I'm going to do like goals, like just, and it could be simple. I also turned off the alarm because I recognized um, how cortisol is automatic. You're automatically into fight or flight and angst and doing those little rituals it's an, it's a non-negotiable for me. You know, I've learned to take that inner critic and it's consciousness. I'm like, now I'm putting that inner critic to voicemail <laughs> and I'm deleting. That's great. I love that. 
and just, and then noticing just how many there are that I have to put there (laughs) and going, geez, you got to change that, you know, ratio girlfriend, what are you going to do to change it? You know, (laughs) I love that. And I think like anything it's awareness. And then another good thing for me is discernment that I've learned this year is like, you know, like we're talking about the world and going back to normal. I think that we were, I know I was in ways, you know, throughout your life, you're on the treadmill and you're on the, the wanted to make everything, you know, better, be perfect. Where did it serve me? And when I stopped, I'm discerning to take a look around and say, how do I resonate? How do I feel? How do I want to feel? And, and trusting God that the right door is going to open and I'm going to be wowed. Well, thank you so much for being here. I am going to put all the things in the show notes so that people can find you. Um, Thank you. Really appreciate your uh, positivity. And you, I wish people could see you because you just radiate with your smile. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I will post one picture. I'm all in black. I look like this. And then Maria's like this angel (laughs) with a halo (laughs) around her. Well, I, really well, I have black on. I have, I have my black at workout clothes that I did. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm always like, I like black. Yeah. But I really appreciate oh, you being here. And, my pleasure. Um, yeah. Look forward to seeing where the journey leads you. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in being interviewed for a podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.